Welcome to the 62nd episode of the Zencast. <laughs> My name is Devin Faraci, and today I'm joined by Adam Myros. Namaste, Steve. Peace be with you, Adam Myros. And also with you. I'm also joined by Sean Glynis. Hello, how's it going? Good, brother, good. And peace be with you, Sean Glynis. Yeah, peace be with you too. And of course, we're joined by Jake Trapila. Oh, Steve, let me just say I checked the feet and count in my stool this morning and I am clear. <laughs> That's excellent. That's so good. We don't want a toxic podcast, so I hope everyone's cleared their bowels for this evening. Anyways, <laughs> we're here. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try and keep it going for as long as humanly possible, oh, but I already want to hang myself. Uh, yeah, hey, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, our boy Devin. Devin Farachi's back, guys. Uh, it's a big celebration. I missed the Oscars, thank God. I mean, I didn't miss the show. I miss you assholes talking about it. Uh, but, yeah, last time I was on with you guys, um, in between then and now, the man, the myth, the legend, the pile of human excrement, probably full of thetans. Devin Faraci has returned to the internet, ladies and gentlemen. This is big. And who is Devin Faraci? Why, I'm so glad you asked. I'll give you a quick rundown. He's kind of like a second-wave internet critic. So, you know, you had your assholes with, like, GeoCities websites in, in the 90s. And then from there... Uh, you had this new group of, of young critics who popped up who started getting a little bit more legitimacy. So they started getting invited to screenings. They started getting invited to, you know, uh, studio set tours, things of that nature. And leading the charge was none other than Devin Faraci, who wrote for Chud.com. How appropriate, because he is, in fact, a Chud. And he sort of made a name for himself on Chud and then Badass Digest, which turned into Birth Movies Death by basically being a dickhead. And then, lo and behold, it turns out that he has uh, sexually harassed and sexually assaulted women. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) As as Devin descended from the heavens? What was that noise? (laughs) Devin, is that you? Man, we're really up in the ante lately. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry. Casey's uh, phone went off in the bedroom where I'm recording, and I quickly silenced it and threw it out of here. What was that? It appears he was holding it directly too. up to the microphone. <laughs> on the other side of the bedroom, I did not hear anything that was just said on the podcast. I apologize. I thought you were trying to do, like, some, like, uh, jokey drop of your own. Yeah, that's that's what I was going for, the drop that's actually just a cell phone held up to the microphone. But in fact, Jake was just holding his <laughs> girlfriend's phone to the microphone. No, it was charging in here, and I, uh, yeah. I don't believe and, it for a second. 
So okay, <laughs> you can believe what you want. It's the truth. Back to Farachi. So Farachi, here's here's what happens. I I leave to go on a trip for work. I'm in New Orleans for like three days, and then all of a sudden I get back, and Farachi is rubbing his his steamy ball sack all over the internet again. How did this happen? Explain to me how this happened. Someone. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even realize what it was. Somebody just sent a, a link mocking this Buddhist film website, uh, Patreon, and I, I, I read it and laughed at it, not knowing at all that it was uh, Devin Faraci. So, so here's yeah, kind of kind of what what here's kind of what happened. So after after he was basically kicked off the internet, and this was pre-election of Trump, uh, he tried to come back a year ago. When Draft House had revealed that they were hiring him on as a copyright editor for Fantastic Fest, but then it was revealed that he had never even been fired in the first place after Tim League said he would be. So that drew a lot of backlash, and then Devin decided to leave Draft House. Then he went on this uh, PBS episode that was about uh, women who were uh, sexually assaulted and had accusations come up from their past oh like Devin Faraci when he yeah like Devin so (laughs) so Devin and and Devin's uh Devin's accuser both appeared on the program and Devin talked about what he went through in his life and he said that he contacted the person who called him out on Twitter and she accepted his apology and now he thinks he has pretty much free reign to go back on the internet through this guise of I've turned Buddhism you should forgive me because I'm no longer a bad person but it's all completely bullshit because Devin Farachi is painting himself as the victim in this situation. Yeah, you know, what I've learned from the Me Too movement is uh, we really need to give voice to the attackers. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Well, right. Jake, Jake is uh, missing a, a point here, is that uh, uh, <clears throat> the day after he, he found out about this uh, allegation towards him, he was suicidal. Oh, right, um, yeah. He was vomiting for about an hour, which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The whole thing has been like uh, it's it's really funny. Like you couldn't write this stuff, but uh, he everything's been about like sort of his recovery and all this stuff, and and his site Masanga, which has uh, Yoda at the top of it. <laughs> Wait, what? You know, <laughs> it's a preeminent Buddhist uh, figure in culture. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, we should mention, um, as uh, Miriam Bale has brought up on Twitter, that like uh, she, I think she said that uh, it seemed like uh, Devin was uh, single white femaling um, his um, his victim, who is like a Buddhist meditation. Yeah, that's the other thing. She's also a a culture or film writer who also practices Buddhism. So this is really double bullshit. Yeah, but uh, I kind of want to get into some of this stuff. Have you guys looked at? Have you guys looked at this? Uh, Yeah, it looks an awful lot like uh, just like a Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek bullshit that he's written for the last uh, fifteen years. I can see a lot of personal growth in the. And the way yeah. The oh, okay. So, so speaking of that, uh, there's a few tabs on the top uh, at the top, and one of them is Dharma. Um, and I think the most recent uh, post is Judge Not James Woods. Mm. 
and uh, he he goes on to to sort of like criticize James Woods um criticism of the Parkland survivors, right? Like the lowest hanging fruit possible. Um <laughs> some real like you know not that james wood shouldn't be criticized but it's just like isn't this what you always did um but uh in the comments somebody was like uh please provide any evidence that woods is a fascist and not just a staunch libertarian or are they just interchangeable to you now and he goes on to do this like sort of measured response that's like that's a good point. He is a racist, sexist, homophobe, like just sort of doubling down on his point that, that he thinks he's a fascist. Um, and then literally uh, two day, two and a half days later, without any reply, he replied to himself and was like, so I've been giving it some thought. And I think he might really have a point <laughs> by calling James Woods a fascist. I'm engaging in exactly the kind of judging that I'm trying to not do anymore i really appreciate you bringing this to my time. it's like it's it's like um it, i don't know how, i don't know how much you guys watch the office but it's like when andy bernard goes to like anger management like he leaves work and goes to anger management and comes back and you and like he, he starts yeah. calling himself andrew and it's just like this this such a thin veneer of like restraint and you could just see everything under the surface, just like waiting to like percolate or like waiting to bubble over. And, um, it's, it's pretty funny. I really like the idea of everyone ignoring Farachi's new site to the point where he's conversing with himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Hey, he's got 32 patrons. Uh, yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, uh, what do you want (laughs) to, I have a sneaking suspicion that, uh, one of those patrons is Tim League, and he's he's uh, pledged about uh, eighty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. Right, because that was that was Tim League's reasoning for not firing Devin is that he didn't want to see his friend go homeless. Right. I don't know. Um, I kind of want him to be homeless, just a little homeless. Yeah, he's already got the fucking beard for it. Well, <laughs> here's here's my thought on this whole thing. So, one, if if Devin's whole thing now is. I'm just going to respond to myself in comments and also give a platform to people who say ridiculous things like, Oh, excuse me, blogger, but why is James Woods a fascist? Like, <laughs> you don't even fucking answer that shit. That's how you deal with that. Or you tell the person he eats shit. Now, what I want to That's what's is- so funny about it, that he, that he can't stop himself. Yeah. So what if I were like, I'm looking at his Annihilation review right now. What if I were to hop on and uh, just be like, Devin... I was reading your Annihilation review, and I can't help but wonder if, if really this is what you think, or if in fact you just have a micro penis. And then he will, is he going to respond and give me three paragraphs about why he does or doesn't have a micro penis, about how he can see both sides of why I think he has a micro penis? Like, what, <laughs> what's the end game here? Uh, uh, that makes sense. I, I, I thought you were gonna say like do something like provocative like um <clears throat> like just throw him a, a softball and be like I don't know I feel like it could have used a male lead of some sort yeah wouldn't the movie have been better if all of the characters <laughs> were men preferably <laughs> white men Let's just see what he does and um, then he would go he'd go I I understand I understand uh the want to see that in a movie but. I think right now what we need to see in pop culture is more strong women. Like it's just going to be stuff like that. Yeah. What's yeah. what's what's fascinating is um, uh, that well 
what's sad, I guess, like the worst part about this is that um, there really are people willing to give him a chance. And um, that's it, it happens. We see it at a larger level in Hollywood, too, like people getting to make movies. I mean, Kobe Bryant just won an Oscar. Um, but uh, there's somebody who commented on his game night review. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is I, I uh, sorry i could go down a rabbit hole of why he's writing a game night review on the site but um, this guy goes i've been a longtime follower of devon since the early chud days and there has been a there is <laughs> that's not the punchline <laughs> that's so funny and there has been a true void since his departure at bmd something that site is struggling with more now than ever Devin's smart and insightful take on our culture is something that truly helped put things in perspective and gather my own thoughts. I searched for what had become of Devin, but had, was not able to find a trace. Wait, what? Think- Did he not Google him? Was he actually searching think- about, like, walking around Los Angeles? What? He put, like, uh, like Devon Fratchy. Um <laughs> Thankfully, someone in the BMD talk backs... Talkbacks pointed me here, and I'm so glad they did. Having Devin back writing reviews better than ever, I'd argue, <laughs> and commentary has been like reuniting with a mentor that inspired me. Great review for game night, and I can't wait for more to come. This is so fake. This has to be fake, right? Yeah, I, th- I think uh... he wrote that about himself. That's like saying, like, <laughs> Geez, when I was young, I fell in love with the films of Woody Allen. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> he truly is the moral compass in my life. Like, what? Are you so glad to have? Googling? And and it it would be like, ah, I just went to see Wonder World, Wonder Wheel. I'm so glad he's back to making movies better than ever. I think. Yeah. That's, no. uh, how are we even? How are these comments even getting left? He hasn't reached his <laughs> 200 patron goal to upgrade to discus compatibility. <laughs> Apparently, you can leave a comment, but it's not in discus. I don't know what the distinction is, but I know uh, what the distinction is. It doesn't cost anybody to have discus compatibility. We have every discus compatibility for the two people who ever commented on our website. <laughs> okay, so I, I have a I have a feeling that this is um. <clears throat> this might holy shit sorry i'm just scrolling through and seeing uh I, here's an article called i was wrong about cosplay oh, i read that <laughs> one <laughs> Jim. is, is, um, this, is but, this whole website just gonna be him atoning for his stupid opinions like is is he just gonna every week he's gonna go back find one of his chud articles or one of his birth movies death articles and be like here's why i was wrong is that what this is just a no wait Here's my confusion: is that there are articles on here that date back to 2016. Uh, oh, allow really? me to. Uh, I, I was scrolling back to find the earliest ones. Allow me to read an entire article, word for word, uh, from June 30th of 2017. Please do. Uh, um, Marvel Cinematic Universe villain rankings, comma official, <laughs> uh, best to worst, comma main villains only, Loki. Zemo, Vulture, Ego, Red Skull, Mandarin, Ultron, Abomination, Alexander Pierce, Iron Monger, Aldrich Killian, Justin Hammer, Ronan, Malekith, Whiplash, Cassilius, Thanos. 
End of article. <laughs> that's it? That's it. Wait, he didn't even write explanations for why well, he ranked it? That, that's the entire article. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, he, he's turned a real fucking corner. Everything he writes now is... Uh, it's it's relevant and uh, spiritually considered. I, I also want to point out in the structure of this site that the uh, first thing you'll notice on the right-hand column is uh, some sort of bullshit uh, about Buddhism followed immediately by a, a Patreon link and also a PayPal donation link. But, guys, keep in mind, he is a changed man. So if you scroll all the way down, all the way past all content, he's got he's got a link to support uh, rape, abuse, and incest oh. national. Network. All right. So the priorities <laughs> have really shifted. Um, I, I got to walk well, back some stuff because I, I I when we talked about him last time, it was still kind of early days in the Me Too, and you know I was wrong. I said, well, what what is the path forward for Farachi? Is is it fair? to crucify him online the way that he has like it should he be blackballed and unable to make a living wage but you know yeah he should be <laughs> absolutely well yeah. what's funny is on his patreon um the levels so you can like you know be like one dollar five dollar ten dollars and they're named different levels and they're different levels of uh i don't know Buddhist related uh, transcendence or something. Uh, it, it's uh, Sangha members, bhikkhus. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. And Jedi bendus. Like this is uh, this is small. This is like micro Scientology. Uh, something tells me your knowledge of those uh, levels of Buddhism are, are equivalent to Farachi's own. <laughs> Well, um, oh, this so, word sounds interesting. I, I'm going to put it on here and pretend it fucking means something. I know this isn't the entire like podcast, and we've uh, we've talked about him before, and who knows, maybe he'll pop up again. But I, I do want to touch on like the my favorite discovery of this um, this whole thing, which is his review of three billboards. Bear with me, Jake. Um, <clears throat> the film's credit notwithstanding. <clears throat> hey, I've accepted that people hate it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, Farachi's not one of them. Um, oh, I know. But, but I mean, so I don't really want to talk about Three Billboards as much as the way that he talks about Three Billboards, which is, um, oh, boy. He's talking about the end of the film, right? It falls on the victim, but McDonough recognizes that every victimizer, in some ways, a victim themselves, unwilling oh, to step geez. outside the circle of pain. It's not an easy message, especially in a time of great social upheaval. But it's maybe the only message that matters, right? Is there a that wink we, emoji? <laughs> that, that, that we must love even those people who don't deserve it. Perhaps especially the people who don't deserve it. Jake, I can really see what you got out of that film, though. Somebody goes, that. this is an absolutely spot-on review. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. Here's what I have to say about Devin Farage. Now, the thing is, is he's trying to weasel himself back into a community that has no interest in him being a part of their community. And more so than 32 that. 32 people. <laughs> 32 of them. More, more so than that. <laughs> I think it's 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 disgusting the way that he's twisted things to sort of like you said to 
to really paint himself as a victim. There's plenty of other things he can do. He doesn't have to write about film professionally, nor does he need a Patreon. Uh, and you know what? Devin Faraci, go clean toilets. Go write fucking ad copy or something. Go do anything. Do literally anything else, but stay away from all these people that you've hurt. Like, why would you just immerse yourself back in that? So, right. that being said, yeah. I, I will forgive Devin Faraci if he really commits to the Buddhist thing and shaves off his beard, completely shaves his head, and he looks like the guy in Kung Fu. Then I'll accept Yeah, that, this is, uh, it's funny, um, uh, Jack the other day offline was saying, we were, we were talking about, no surprise, David Ehrlich, and Jack said, uh, he's a writer, he might as well be writing about homo collectibles or auto trader ad copy and um that is like why doesn't for do something like that like uh if he wants to write and obviously like he 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 writes more like stronger than the average person he can get a job writing somewhere like you don't have to be a part of a community <clears throat> like go make a like you said a living wage somewhere like like a lot of us do writing stuff that is for a corporation that is going to make you not be homeless and that it's going to put your writing to use. Like don't ingrain yourself into a community that finds you toxic. Like you've lost that spot. Yeah. You well, I still back. have a hard, yeah, I still have a hard time believing this is not just an elaborate front. Uh, so that Tim league can, can pay him a salary. Well, he's I, already I'm lied sorry. about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's about, the, uh, really insidious thing is that he's trying to monetize his comeback through a Patreon account. Well, at least he's taken such an original tact. I've I've never heard of someone uh, taking a spiritual bent in this uh, faux reformation. It's it's a bold new territory you're treading, Devin. Uh, God bless. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh God, Devin Faraci. Oh Jesus. Um. Okay. Let's let's not talk about Devin Faraci anymore. Um. Because fuck him. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> speaking of Devin Faraci, he just reviewed Annihilation. Did you guys see that yet? Mm-hmm. So yeah. did I. I think I'm the only one here that liked it. Uh, what What is Annihilation, Myros? Explain it to me. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think that's kind of why I didn't love it. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a movie uh, wherein... Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac, and they they go into uh, some sort of alien crash site that is uh, creating prismatic effects in nature. And uh, I don't know; it's kind of a horror movie until it's not. Uh, it's not great, but eh, I I've seen worse things this year already. So I don't know. I'm not upset that I saw it. I'm not upset that it exists, but it, it falls into this certain pretentious sci-fi film that's become all too prevalent, like counter-programming to to the superhero films. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I'm kind of glad that it somehow got a wide release, although we could talk about what that actually means because it's, yeah. it's not a traditional wide release. But it's it's refreshing to see a movie like that just because it's like, oh, man, this should not be in theaters. Like, I kind of thought that when I saw Arrival where I was just like, Oh man, like the way they marketed this, some people are going to walk out of here like what the fuck. But with this one, it's even like even more so. I don't even know what the average audience would think of this if they were expecting like a horror movie or just a a regular old sci-fi movie or something because this is this is 
it's a lot. I don't even know how pretentious it is well, as a movie. It's just so jam-packed with ideas that it's bursting at the seams and it can't control anything, basically. I, it's funny that you mentioned that um, it's uh, that you can't imagine what the, the average Joe would think of it because uh, I think it was Paramount that, that deemed it, that kind of like ditched it, uh, deemed it too smart for audiences, which <clears throat> I think is definitely debatable and i would disagree with completely um i I don't know what do you what do you think what do you think jake uh yeah i uh well first we should uh, preface this is the film the second film from the director alex garland he last directed x apparently he did dep or dread sorry apparently apparently he ghost directed a lot of dread um but yeah, so this is his second film. It has a very similar slow-moving sci-fi aesthetic to Ex Machina. Um, but and I think I I, I was really kind of looking forward to this film because so many people uh, were just effusive with their praise on it on Twitter, and uh, I try I purposely didn't read any reviews or read much into it so I could go in as fresh as I could and. It, and it didn't really have any sort of lasting effect on me. It just kind of washed over me during the course of its runtime, and and that was it. And it's it's quickly faded from memory. I mean, there's a few standout sequences for sure, and I think that's maybe Alex Garland's forte. He can craft an okay film around one or two great moments, like Ex Machina. We has that legendary dance sequence with. Oscar Isaac in uh, Annihilation. I only there's only like a few things that I really took away from it, and or a few things that I really liked. Like the uh, I think the bear attack might be the standout for me. We need, we need <laughs> but, to talk uh, about yeah, that this, bear. That bear is yeah. important. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but again, the film. Uh, I I I wasn't crazy about Ex Machina, and I, and I wasn't crazy about this either. And I think uh, I think a, a problem is that a lot of people are comparing it to Tarkovsky. And I, I think that um, I don't think any film should strive to be Tarkovsky, and and uh, and yeah. So so that that's that's really it for me. Um, well, I, I think uh, there's first of all, this is um, about Natalie Portman's character, sort of like mourning the like disappearance of of her husband, or and also sort of like struggling with her own <clears throat> infidelity. Um, and they go into the shimmer and, uh, or what's called the shimmer, but it's just sort of this, like, uh, Myra said, this prismatic, uh, force, uh, that they enter that has been doing some weird stuff that they can't really explain outside of it. Um, and that's kind of where that, that Tarkovsky stuff comes from because it's basically stalker, but, um, but like, and like Cuff said, like, it's just so crammed with ideas or at least like bounces from one to the other more than it I, I think it bounces from <clears throat> from like abstract idea to abstract idea rather than being like i have so much i want to say it's just kind of like well i don't know w- what i guess is like the book was wanting to touch on this or, or they talked about this in the book and so i should introduce that like it just it doesn't feel like fully formed ideas and more than that it just kind of like feels rushed and and there's no like there's no time like to like like something like Stalker, like obviously is an art like film classic and it's almost three hours long and you know, you, you get to like sort of like just sit and bask in that and 
Yeah. That's not that's not really going to make it to to cinemas now. Like, but, and I don't really need it to. But like for a film like this, and I think that's why it comes off as pretentious. Is like, you can't really have your cake and eat it too. You can't you can't really like have this like, this under two hour like, really like. I guess seemingly thoughtful thing and then not really explore any of the ideas in it. And then on top of that, be like, and this is what this part of our world does. And I don't know. It it just like, it doesn't really give us any space to really explore, like wrestle with these things. At least I didn't feel like it did. Yeah. I don't, I, the reason I say pretentious is because to me it's, it's a genre film that is, terrified of being a genre film it's yeah it takes every step to to convince you that it's about something bigger and why it doesn't need to be Mm -hmm. yeah it it could be a perfectly compelling genre film there's aspects of it that are exactly that and but then it's got i think my least favorite thing in the entire film is the way it intercuts these scenes of natalie portman's affair uh and it's just like such a a transparent thing like whoa look over here this this means something uh look at the effects that this event it was like the shimmer in their marriage and it's just like shut the fuck up man shut the fuck up and bring me that skull bear (laughs) yeah well and i i don't think even natalie portman's affair like it doesn't I don't know how much it adds to the story. Like, oh, so we, right. we understand that, like, Oscar Isaac decided to go on this mission to the Shimmer, knowing that um, he probably wouldn't make it back. But because all the people who have volunteered to go in are sort of self-destructive and yada yada yada, but it's like, well, if he's a special forces guy, it, it doesn't seem like you need to. Like, why do you need this extra wrinkle of? He knew about Natalie Portman's affair. Like, that doesn't... It doesn't add anything. And it also... The whole idea that this thing has been around for three years and they're just throwing whoever the fuck they can in there and, and nobody's coming out. Uh, it, it's weird to me that they're like, yes, yeah, so now we're actively recruiting people who we know are emotionally damaged because they're going to be dumb enough to go in. Like, that. that's crazy to me. Um, and, and the fact that the, the, the psychologist woman that she decides to go in and we don't know why and then someone's just like well she definitely has cancer it's it, like the cancer reveal thing is it's straight out of like the room almost <laughs> you know we're like what <laughs> who, who cares what none of this yeah, right there's there's lots of clumsy exposition of that nature where it doesn't it doesn't let you figure out its thesis which yeah as far as i can muster is basically it's just kind of a study of that self-destructive nature of man and and the flaws inherent in our makeup and i i you could introduce that in all these characters just by their actions and observation mm-hmm. and not like you know flashing back to her having an affair you might be able to say something interesting about the nature of uh, a military a continuous military career being a self-destructive action as opposed to just being like well he was mad at his wife. It's just like, okay. Uh, yeah. Again, there's all this exposition that, that tries to tell us why everything is happening. And to me, that's the antithesis of smart science fiction. Or like, or if it wanted to be about like sort of how people get into marriages and become self-destructive, 
instead of being able to deal with them the right way. It could have been like sort of this simultaneous like flashbacks to more than just the affair, but to other stuff, giving us more context about the relationship. We don't know anything about the relationship, which is <clears throat> just part of this movie's problem on a bigger on a bigger side, which is just like there's just no character development at all. These four women are, are there and it's like, oh, we see them talk for like five minutes at most, maybe less than that. And that's like basically all like it sort of sets in these minor dynamics. But like I don't get to like meet these people. And then when when some when one of them just like turns into foliage and just goes off, it just feels like the movie's like, okay, I don't have to worry about that character anymore. Let's move on to the next thing. And it's just like, I, yeah, I mean, I really liked the ending of it. Um, I mean, but this is sort of happened to me a couple of times recently where I'm not on board for a movie. And then it has this cool thing at the end that I can like in small doses, but it doesn't really mean what, it doesn't mean to me what the movie wants it to mean. It's just sort of like this cool thing. So at the end, like, there's I don't know what you want to call it, but but there's sort of like this this character that turns into like this hellmouth type thing, and and Natalie Portman enters it, and and she starts to see this like this mirror of herself, and she's trying to figure that out. But there's some really great like it's just a good sensory thing where it's like this great synth uh, thing happening overhead, and and the visuals finally look good. I don't really care for the visuals in it as a whole. But it, it it's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And I can get, like, a decent reading off of the end. Like, Emily Yoshida wrote for Volter about, like, <clears throat> her struggling with with um, this, like, this reflection of herself is sort of, like, this uh, allegory for depression and how we, how we get in our own way. And I, I can get behind some of that stuff, but it all works into, like, very little bite-sized things. And it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Uh, for the film as a whole to me. Yeah, it's just, again, to me, it's if it's not a comic book movie, it has to be a fucking grand allegory at this point. Right. And I'm just tired of it. Yeah. I uh, Well, and like I said, I, I definitely like this a lot more than you guys, uh, but I'm, I'm willing to concede. Like, I, I love the visual style. I love the music. Uh, and if I break this movie down into individual parts, I like most of those parts. It's just mm-hmm. when everything comes together for me, it, 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 well, it doesn't. It just doesn't come together for me. It's just mm-hmm. messy. It's really messy. And the one thing I can say about it is after walking out of it, I know you guys said it just sort of like washed over you, but my thing is, is like I kind of liked it. There's a million things about it I didn't like, but I want to watch it again just to see if mm-hmm. I can you know, get a different reading from it. But Good news, Steve. <clears throat> It's going to be on Netflix in five minutes. I realize that. But uh, yeah. before we talk about that, uh, the stalker comparison, it's it's kind of unfair because. Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, it sets itself up for it. it. It certainly does. And there's elements of it, you know, these this group of people that are going into this, you know, weird sort of uh, contained environment that's uh, been, I don't know manipulated and changed in a way that everything's all fucked up and weird. But the thing is with Stalker, when you're watching it, is there's a there's a level of, like, tranquility to Stalker, and things are a little off, but they're never completely strange. And there's always this air... Like, the first time I watched Stalker, you know, you, you just have in the back of your head the whole time, you're like, 
is this bullshit. Like, this whole idea of this guy is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to lead you to this place in this weird, like, you know, wasteland. And when you get there, you can make a wish and have anything you want. Like, that, that it's such a childlike thing that's driving them. Um, so, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, oh, is it bullshit? And it's able to kind of suck you into its world because it has room to breathe. Stalker is a movie that's, like you said, three hours long. Hell, they, they don't it, – they're like for the first 30 minutes, they're just driving to the damn place. Like they, <laughs> it takes its time. And because it takes its time, it lets these themes develop and, and the visual style sets in. It has an amazing rhythm to it. And you just don't get that with Annihilation. And it, I, I kind of wish, since Netflix got involved – I wish this was from the beginning a Netflix limited series. Like, give me twelve episodes of Annihilation, and then that's it. Don't don't give me yeah. one ninety minute movie because there's there's just too much going on. Yeah, it just makes you want to read the book. Yeah, pretty much. That's that. Anyone here read the book? I did not. No, no. I think we're the only people on Earth that have not read this book because every review I read was like talks about every... changes from the book. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I think another thing just for me that kind of hurts the movie is the uh, I don't like the structure as to how uh, the movie also intercuts to the sequences of uh, of Natalie Portman being debriefed. Uh, so and that, that's like the first scene in the movie is her uh, talking to the team. And so we know she gets out. So for me, there's no real stakes if we see that she kind of makes it, even though it's there's this dumb twist ending where it may or may not be her that got out. But I, I just I don't like that. I, I don't like a movie starting in media res and then working its way back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, just a minor I, complaint on my end. But well, to, to counter that, just a couple like positives to to brighten it up. A couple things that like Steve said, he liked the soundtrack. I did too. I like um I like the uh, sort of how it goes from this acoustic acoustic sound, which we're not used to hearing in, in sci-fi stuff to this like synthetic thing um it kind of mirrors the the shimmer in a way um but uh also god i forgot what i was gonna say oh it was nice to see like there's a moment where natalie portman is like shooting this machine gun at this this alligator shark thing or whatever the hell it is and um uh it's sort of this very powerful shot the way the way it's framed and and um just the action of her and she's sort of unflinchingly and and I mean, not that like you'd notice it before, but or that you wouldn't notice before, but it is sort of this nice thing to see uh, representation wise of like uh, this movie is about these these four women um, and it doesn't like posture itself as being like Ghostbusters, you know, like the all female Ghostbusters. Like it doesn't like the marketing around it hasn't done that and the movie itself doesn't sort of play it up as like. Hey, give us some points for for this. Like, it's just sort of like nice to see that exist in it. Um, and I also like Jennifer Jason Lee. I just wish that we knew more about like her motivation because it's not there. Yeah, this. I, I wish I liked this movie a little more because I I do appreciate a lot about it. And and again, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not going to tell you don't go see it because it's yeah. Especially compared to what's out right now. I mean, I I just saw something <laughs> today that that's much worse. So uh. yeah, all, all I'm going to say about it yeah, before we move the best on thing to in that. Theaters. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely the best thing in theaters right now. And you know what? It's it's worth your your movie pass for the day or your ten dollars or whatever just to see Skull Bear because Skull Bear is 
one of the best monsters I've seen in probably the last decade. It's amazing. It's this terrifying mutant bear with a weird skull, and it doesn't look like it has any eyes. And it bites people's throats. It doesn't eat them. It just rips their throats out and then absorbs their death screams. And then when it roars, the death screams come, like, shooting out of it. And it just it, it's this horrifying sound. It's amazing. Big fan of the Death Bear. Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, I, I kind of wish this is like a genre film. And I kind of wish it went go for broke with these sort of moments. Like, another thing I really liked is uh, they, they go to this camp and they find this camcorder with footage that the previous team took of them cutting open this guy's stomach in the pool and his organs uh are like turned into these giant gray worms and when they go down to the pool and they see his body his body is like turned into like this thing that is melded into the the side of the pool like this giant plant and like his legs are sticking out of it but it's like it's like a like a giant fungus almost it's really really kind of cool looking yeah um, oh, so there's yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that that I I really liked. Yeah, a lot of inventive horror visuals. Uh, yeah, I just it's almost you know make a fucking horror movie then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Myros, you saw what could be said to be the the greatest movie of 2018. Certainly the most uh, topical and sensitive movie of 2018. What did you go see? Uh, I went to see uh, Eli Roth's. Death Wish. Pause. Wait. Myros, did you go see Death Wish to own the libs and show them how much you love guns? <laughs> That's true. It, it turns out I'm secretly 55 and was seeking an erection, so I headed out to watch Death Wish. <laughs> <laughs> That's also his Tinder profile. Uh, <laughs> what? Okay. So let's let's talk about original Death Wish so it's like a it's like your standard revenge action movie from the 1970s, and then it's starring Charles Bronson. And then when Charles Bronson is old as fuck in the 80s, I think it was Canon Films is like, you know what we need sequels to Death Wish. So they made like two, three, four, probably five uh, Death Wish yeah, movies. Yeah, there's five. There's there's a lot of them, and basically they're just ultra violent and like way more racist than you would expect. But oh boy. Do they get racist? Especially the third one. <laughs> the third uh, one. Yeah. So <laughs> I've never even seen the original Death Wish. I've only seen like two of the sequels, which are amazing. But. <laughs> two, two and three are the ones to see. Three especially because it's it's just mind blowing. Like you're like, there's there's no way a movie can be like this, and it is. It, like his, I believe his daughter gets like assaulted by some gang members. So he decides that the only solution is literally kill all the brown people, which he spells out <laughs> pretty much. Well, yeah, and that was the that was the thing about the trailer for Death Wish. Uh, I've not seen the film, but in the trailer, it's Bruce Willis walking through the ghetto shooting black people, all set to ACDC's "Back in Black." Yeah, uh, that song's in in the the actual film as well several oh, times. Oh, great, that's good. Myros, tell us about the new Death Wish. Uh, the new Death Wish. It's, it, I don't know. It's not as racist as the, it might seem to be. I suppose there's that. It's just very. Uh, <laughs> Is that your back of the DVD box quote? Uh, it's not as racist as it could be. Yeah, it, it kills a lot of white people. <laughs> um, 
I just I don't know why this exists. Like, also, I don't know why Bruce Willis is allowed to star in movies at this point. He's literally like comatose, and that's not like unique to this film. That's just what Bruce Willis is these days. Um, but yeah, it's not compelling at all and it is very disquieting and it, it goes against the current political climate substantially and it's, it's just a terrible choice to make this movie and it's not even transgressive enough to enjoy. Like it, it, you make a, a solid revenge thriller and it, it's something that I am fond of despite, uh, an intellectual repulsion it's it can still be a very fun genre but this is it's it's not it's just very dull um not not worth watching i'll say that does it take itself seriously yeah there's no humor in the film at all that's That's good uh that's eli roth is really on a hell of a streak why is he allowed to make movies i don't know i guess he and bruce willis are like a match made in heaven but if you're talking about that annihilation, which I guess we skipped over, but well, I suppose we'll dive back because there's not much to say about Death Wish, rest assured. But if you talk about a movie that a studio should have looked at and said, we got to get the fuck rid of this, <laughs> you would think it would be Death Wish. Yeah, you, you would definitely think so. Well, it's like, OK, so current political climate, that's one. Two. Who the fuck is clamoring for another Death Wish movie? Absolutely no one, except maybe my racist father. That's about it. Um, in addition to that, I, I, I mean, when was the last time Eli Roth made a successful movie? That's an honest question. Hostel 2? When was that? Um, Over a decade ago? And that's kind, <laughs> frankly, but I, mean, I, I, I would posit that he's never made a good movie. But no, but no, I mean, I mean, financially successful, financially successful. Yeah. Financially successful. He's this never made a good probably movie. probably true. So the last time he made a financially successful movie was probably Hostile 2. Uh, his last movie, The Green Inferno, was delayed forever. It was a colossal pile of shit, uh, and no one went to see it. So why are they like, yeah, let's give him Bruce Willis and make Death Wish and then wide release. This is all a great idea. We love this. Cuff, you're forgetting about his actual last movie, which was Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves. Oh, good. A movie See? that did, in fact, get buried. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah, so I I'm, really remember that I'm one. On a, I'm on Box Office Mojo right now. Uh, knock Knock made $36,000 in its theatrical <laughs> uh, run. <laughs> Holy shit. So here's, here's, some, here's some sad bit of news. So Annihilation came out on February 23rd. It cost $40 million to make, and it's so far only made $22 million. Uh, Death Wish cost thirty million to make. It came out the week after, and it's already made almost seventeen million dollars. Uh, and all of those tickets were sold to sixty-year-old men. Yeah. Right, they're all <laughs> dead now. And uh, if you live in the UK, Australia, Brazil, Germany, Poland, or Turkey, Annihilation hits Netflix on Monday. And there's a lot of speculation that it's it's soon to follow here in the United States. So. Yeah. Did anybody watch uh, Mute? Oh, I did. Uh, I, that seems to have gone the route that was more predictable, but... Um, it's, a, what's, it's fucking unbearable. And, yeah, I, believe, I, believe, I, I believe you, and I will take your word for that. What's kind yeah. of annoying about uh, these movies that... Um, these, like, heady sci-fi movies, uh, with air quotes, is... 
I mean, uh, my not the problem with them. I should just I should say my like annoyance with them is that it is so predictable what they're going to do or how unfulfilling they're going to be. And there seems to be this like huge wave of immediate like critical reaction. And as soon as like they walk out of like press screenings, they just like hit Twitter and it's just like the most hyperbolic stuff. And and then we go see it with like these expectations like, oh, maybe it'll be doing something like interesting. And it's just like, oh, there's an allegory. And that's that's it. Like, it, I don't know. Like, this is what people are walking out of the, 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 the theater and going and tweeting like, holy fucking shit. Go see this now. It's like, what? Like, don't, have you seen movies before? Have you seen like any other movies before? Like, wh- what is your compass, and why is this <laughs> rating so highly on it? I don't know. It's, I, it's, I, it, I think it's just got to be. You know, you're like nine out of the ten movies you watching are just fucking like Hulk smash, and then suddenly you watch that, and you're like, oh, it's the smartest thing I've ever seen by proxy. It's like oh, okay, I guess, but like. I don't know. I, I I would still think. I mean, there are critics out there that don't do that. You know, like that are kind of like more introspective about it, and, and or just like not so easy to just like smash their thumbs into their phone. Do you think that like people put a lot of stock into films uh, where it's an anticipated movie from either it's a sequel or a director they like, and it's one of these sci-fi films like. Like, take Blade Runner 2049, for instance. I remember the first word on that was just completely high praise. Like, it was the greatest science fiction film ever made, uh, which is bullshit. But do you think people, when they go to these press screenings, like, they're just... There's just a certain sense of knowing that they're the first people in the world to see it, that that the kind of colors their vision as to how they review the film, and they can't well, even refer to talk- it honestly. We talked a little bit about this uh, when we talked about three billboards on the Oscar pod. Not that okay. I, not that I expect anyone to have listened to all of that, but um, give but, us the, the two, two TLDL version. <laughs> TLDR, um, yeah. I mean, just like that, there is always sort of this wave of of like critics who 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 see it first and kind of, I, I think might like to Lord that over people and, um, and just sort of overreact to something that, that is, that it's doing something, something at all, or seems polished maybe, or, or what have you. And then like sort of, uh, or who knows, maybe it's cause they're watching like a ton of movies in a day and whatever, either way, there shouldn't be like excuses made, um, in my mind. Yeah. And um, and then like sort of more people see it, like the general public or critics see it, and it's not at a festival, and they're they have less invested in like getting the word out there, and it's like uh, I don't see what you guys are seeing, and then you have people like Jake uh, Cole, professional critic, like um, rescinded his three billboards review from Sundance or whatever the hell, and it's just like I see the light now, and it's like. All right, like th- it just seems so disingenuous, and I don't know what the answer is. I I, I don't know. I'm I'm going to my first festival this weekend, and um, I can't really I, like I can't speak to to what it's like or anything like that yet. But I can imagine that when something like 
like my reaction to three billboards, uh, which, you know, dealt with such heavy things in ways that I didn't appreciate that you can't, that, that you like, so to try and avoid talking about three billboards directly, if your <laughs> if your if you think that that movie doesn't align with your political views, then why would it ever align with your political views? I guess is my thought. Like if 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 it does, like like Jake, you like it, that that's fine. I'm not going to take you to task again. But like yeah. if if you would ever, or at least in like a six to eight month span. Uh, be like, you know what? Those aren't my values. What's reflected in that movie? Why, w- why, why would you ever be like, this is amazing, and this is, this does reflect my values? It doesn't make sense to me. And yeah, there has to be something on. And I mean, this is all speculation as to like what that is. But yeah, it does seem to be like, oh my god, I saw this movie. You guys got to see it. Oh, you can't see it yet. Uh, Sean. I think maybe you haven't learned anything from Devin Faraci. Critics can reform. They can have a spiritual awakening and change their previous stances. And uh, we need to accept that. Uh, and donate to them on Patreon, um, which I, I plan to do, uh, you know, later tonight. Um, by the way, Steve, uh, yes. Eli Roth, uh, his his last successful film was actually Hostel. Hostel 2 was not even financially successful. So. Oh, great. So it's been 15 so, years? Yeah. Hostel 1 made 10 times its budget back. Yeah, Hostel 2 failed to double its money, so it was uh, not exactly a smash. Um, yeah, so I don't know why. Again, this Death Wish, the, there's a reason I went to see it, because I was morbidly curious, because it, it just made, its existence made no sense to me. What and was I was... The- what was the violent like? How do you find? Do you find that that the violent that his brand of violence is sort of like losing its panache, or do you find it to just be sort of weird, something you're not into, or you are into it? I would argue oh, that his, have, his brand of violence has always sucked. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I have never seen any of his movies, but uh, he got a lot of mileage out of like an Achilles tendon cut in Hostel that sure. everyone was like, he's the most extreme, and it's like, no. He is not the most extreme. Uh, he, he's always kind of sucked. He's just like a really uh, – he's got a certain appeal to him in interviews. He, he has a very Tarantino-esque vibe. Uh, obviously, they're friends and they have similar like really shining love of, of genre films and it comes across well. And you could see why people want to like Eli Roth, but the guy can't make films well. So. <laughs> Uh, and Death Wish is is no, it's it's not some sort of redemption arc for his career. I'll say that it's it is exactly what you think it is. It's a movie made for impotent middle aged men who uh, just want to want to feel the power of the gun, and uh, <laughs> that, that's all it is. This is it's like, like uh, Zar- Zardoz. <laughs> the, the penis is bad. The gun is good. See, I fucking wish it was it was Zardoz. <laughs> It's, it sounds a lot more like Falling Down, the the awesome, the, the dad movie, the oh, movie that God. all fathers love. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's definite parallels between this and Falling Down, but uh, Falling Down is much better film, which is saying something. It's, just, it's not a great film. <laughs> that's Jesus. All right, boys. Well, that's what's going on in the movie theaters right now, which is a whole lot of shit. Uh, Dumpuary has apparently extended into March. So, 
you know, we should really just stick to television because that's where the true artistry is. And I, I, I will say, I will say, I did see Game Night, and it's a good Friday night. Either way, the the movie is a good Friday night, or it's a it's a good way to spend yeah, your yeah. Friday. Night. It's a good night at the movies. All right, uh, it's not it's not great, but uh, you could do a hell of a lot worse. That movie made like zero money at all, which is weird because you gave a glowing recommendation. I've seen a ton of trailers, and it's got great reviews. And I'm not gonna, no one, no I'm not gonna made, like. No one went to see it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it got a great review from Farachi, even uh, the staunch Farachi. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm not gonna like stand up for it exactly. But I'm gonna, but but I would definitely say like if you're just looking for like some fun at the movies, you you could. You're not going to go wrong going into that movie. That's fair. All right. But, I think Parachi should like uh, pivot and and start formatting his reviews in the way that you'll see some on Rotten Tomatoes that are like uh, Christian based and giving you content warnings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they're offensive to your beliefs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be ideal. That would be. Ideal. You should work that angle. Yeah. Well, yeah. honestly, fuck movies. The only thing that matters is nine one one on Fox. That's it. Oh. Nothing else matters. Steve, do you hear that? No. What is it? What is? <gasps> oh What's my going on? God! What is your emergency, Jake? What is that noise? What is? Oh, there's somebody. Hello. I... <laughs> yeah. More elaborate theme. This guy. Nine one one. What's up? This is the OB Cast review. <laughs> Is this our I can song? say, I can report that I have uh, I have uh, jumped on the gurney, yeah, and I watched uh, the most recent episodes of Nine One One. And would you yeah. would you say, Sean, that for a while your emergency was you didn't watch Nine One One? Yeah, I made a call, talked to Connie Britton, and she uh, she she told me to watch, so I did. Um, I, yeah, I watched last week's. I watched part of this week's. So last week's would be a full moon, uh, parentheses, creepy AF, I believe is the one we want to talk about, right? Yeah. Right. So when I, I, when I was looking for that episode <laughs> and I saw parentheses, creepy AF, I thought that was just like a funny thing that like someone who uploaded a torrent put on it or something. Uh, <laughs> when in <laughs> fact, no, that's no. actually the name of the episode. It's, it's full moon parentheses creepy af yeah and you know in in the world of 911 a lot of wacky things happen but they they really drive home in the episode full moon that the full moon is is essential to to wacky things happening like their day-to-day lives aren't completely insane already <laughs> and they mentioned maybe every episode we've seen thus far has actually secretly involved a full moon that's entirely possible i would not put that past them that's and i mean how often does a full moon happen at least once a month right so uh you yeah, know checks out checks out <laughs> so are we gonna get more full moon episodes are there gonna be more creepy af episodes Ooh, that's a good question. The, and that you know, it is such like sort of a lazy premise, like or sort of it's an easy thing to roll your eyes at. And be like, uh, see them being like, you know, crazy stuff happens. Like these these medics being like, crazy stuff happens on a full moon. But like that stuff happens in real life. Like that, I guarantee you that dialogue happens, and it's exhausting to many workers as it is interesting to others. 
Oh, it's a full moon tonight. The crazies are going to be out. Yeah, like I, I was bartending, was it last week, and there's a full moon. And at least like 10 drunk dads said that to me. You see any crazy stuff? Nope, just your geriatric ass having their six <laughs> beers. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. but no, 911, I almost <laughs> call it 911. 911 posits that full moons actually are the cause of a lot of uh, crime, for the lack of a better word, in the city. We have, like, uh, we, you know, it's almost like how the Bye Bye Man has been responsible for every mass shooting over the past 20 years. <laughs> Full moons for the cause for all the emergencies in the land of Los Angeles, as told by Ryan Murphy's hit television program, 911. Now, you know, there, I, have sorry, some, I have some issues with this episode, specifically the use of parentheses, creepy AF, and parentheses. <laughs> uh, I would argue that. It is not a creepy AF episode, and in fact, but there's like a zombie. There's like a Martin esque zombie. No, no, no. The, the the Valentine's Day episode was much more creepy than this. Yeah, one. this is true. This, this is, is true. This is. Uh, I can't speak it's a to step that. down. It's a step down. There's no. We're, we're promised werewolves. All we get is a guy who is. Uh, well, he's, they, on, he's on bath salts. They think he's on bath no, salts. No, he's not. On, that's the question. Were we were we delivered a, a stealth werewolf? Because he was he was in fact not on bath salts. He was just well, we got a POV. Right. Yeah. He was just uh, drunk. Yeah. So perhaps stealth werewolf. Which now we, <laughs> we got the we got back. a POV shot from him. He wasn't on bath salts. We found that out from the tox report later, and they made sure to drive that home. But when we get the POV shot, he's got, like, werewolf vision. So maybe werewolves are going to become a regular part of the show. Which yeah, that was, I said this was I said this was the stupidest episode yet in the chat. And, and Jack said, well, there must be a literal werewolf then. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I can't rule that out. <laughs> it's, it's impossible I, to rule out. My favorite thing was uh, the, the maternal uh, yoga stuff studio class yeah. that was happening and um and braverman and young buck were uh on the call and there was like three pregnancy or there was like three births uh in within like five minutes um which all you know they took it very well uh but i was describing it to i was describing this to sophie and she was like how uh, she was just like this is so stupid and she's like how how can they get crazier? And I was like, "That's this is why people are going to tune in, right? This is why you guys are tuning in to see how he's going to get crazier with the next episode." Yeah. How much? Stu- yeah. yeah how, how much more stupid can this show get? And every, every week they find they find new ways. So God yeah, I, th- I think we should really dissect the the baby scene. Um, <laughs> that was the uh, that was the new nadir for me. <laughs> oh my god! I had How to look away. Dumb could this show get? Uh, because they go to a, a pregnant Lamas class or whatever the hell it is, and one woman starts going into labor, and then as we all know, uh, pregnant women are like yawning. If you see it or think about it, you go into labor if you're pre- also pregnant. So two other women go into go into labor. And they're all running around like idiots. And the whole time, Baby, Baby, Baby by James Brown is just playing oh on the God. soundtrack overhead. <laughs> Get it? It's the best show. And that's not the only baby delivery because we have a, uh, a butt baby delivery of like a six-foot-long tapeworm, too, that we get to see. 
Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. fucking forgot about that. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just like a little, it's just a little addendum, you know, wraps up the episode. He's like talking him through it too. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it's this gay couple that's like, it's an embarrassing portrayal. And and yes, there's also there's there's some sort of like implication that he put a tapeworm inside of himself on purpose so that he could lose weight. That which doesn't make any sense. Uh, apparently, that's the thing that you can do. So, good job. Uh, here's here's where I think the show is going. Okay, first of all, werewolves are definitely real. That's going to be a thing. Second of all, I want 911 to do an episode where, like, a wormhole opens up. Not like the wormhole that the tapeworm crawled out of. <laughs> like an actual, like, rip in time and space. They go through it, and then they become first responders... And and they run into the towers. That's that's what I want. Uh, I want I want nine eleven cross with with nine one one. I want it to go a different. Oh, and then they just call it like like they leave it up to interpretation whether you, whether you call it nine eleven or nine one one. Yeah. Um, my I want it to go a different way. I'm not sure exactly how they could get there, but I want it to happen, and that is to cross over, not tangibly, but sort of like uh, sort of. With the same concept, conceptually crossover with uh, early edition Ooh. to where to where they're getting like they're getting like tweets or something um, from people in the area. Where are they? L.A. Um, yeah. They're getting like tweets or something like that or like social media posts from people in the area like like talking about something that happened to them or, or people talking about a death in their family because of some accident uh, a day before it happens. And so they like spend the day uh, trying to, to figure out how to stop these things before they happen. I mean, I, uh, I'd be fine with that. It has to get there. Eventually they're going to run out of things in standard reality to do very soon. Very, very soon. We, uh, we have, uh, well, I will just say that I'm still, I'm still waiting on Ken Detroit to, to go Phineas Gage and and I'm starting to lose faith because so far, <laughs> yeah. so far it's just like oh he's fine he's good to go I'm like well, come on come on yeah, you got to do something with uh, this we 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 got a we got an idea about where it might go uh, from watching the um, beginning of the next episode but we, we don't have to go there um yeah so I we've once again not touched on the main plot of, of the episode. How is which there? Was, uh, There's barely a main plot. Which was Scotty Britton like, trying to stop this oh, yeah. of, of crazed uh, domestic abusers from murdering people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's like a thread where this guy is like inside an old woman's house and after they discern that for some reason they don't follow up on it at all. They're like, oh no, he's inside the house. We're leaving. Like, oh, I love the call. I love the call for that where they like go, they're in the house and they realize that like, so we, we, we saw that this old lady saw like uh, somebody outside the window and it turns out it was just reflection and that that person was actually inside the house. And once they figure that part out, the one of them goes, look and like literally looks at their feet and there's huge mud prints on the rug <laughs> like wait a second you how did you not see this just like dirt track through the entire house 
I just they don't do anything about it. They're like, oh my god, she's he's here. We're, we should probably search the house, but no time, guys. Next no, they don't even just search the house. They're like, all right, well, you take care, ma'am. Best of luck to you. <laughs> so, like, stay at your stay at your daughter's house or whatever. It's like this. This is not a very thorough investigation. But yeah, then Connie Britton does some Ace audio editing and, uh, and yeah, it's a real out conversation. That... Uh, it's a real conversation homage. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm sure that all 911 dispatchers are equipped to, to do this level of uh, work. But uh, She's also at a computer that, that is strikingly familiar to uh, Hugh Jackman's and Swordfish. <laughs> she has six monitors. Yeah, she does. And it's in this – it's like, no, these people have like a shitty cubicle that they have to like or, – or like not even cubicle but like space that they have to share with like four people. Yeah, they probably have like fucking DOS <laughs> – yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys, you you really you're burying the lead here, though. Uh, you talking about oh, we got to talk about the main storyline. Let me tell you about the main storyline, and uh, that's that's another thorough investigation, and that's old birthmark doing a thorough investigation of Connie Britton's bod. We talked about <laughs> annihilation being like Tarkovsky. I'm gonna say nine one one's like Tarkovsky because uh, birthmark and Connie Britton go to the zone. The bone zone. <laughs> That's where they're at. Let's let let's we not forget wow. that last we saw Birthmark, he was having his uh, tracheotomy cut open in a restaurant, and now he's already fine and back on back yeah. working cases. And like Connie, Connie Britton's heart, nothing oh, can bring these people for. down. Yeah, they're American heroes. Man, nothing gets me harder than when I'm choking in a restaurant and a woman just gives me a tracheotomy. <laughs> I just well, fully erect. I think he's fine because clearly uh, a month has passed, so we have gone from one full moon to the next. That's right. true. That's true. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> oh god. Oh god! Don't say that too loud because Ryan Murphy or whatever his name is is going to just like make a show built on like month to month full moon <laughs> episodes. Uh, I don't think we're probably going to do a nine one one report on the following episode, which is called, I believe, Karma is a bitch. Um, <laughs> I I just watched it this evening, and I I will say I don't think it's probably worth uh, a special segment. So maybe I'll just quickly lump it in here and say that it it's kind of like ten episodes of Tales from the Crypt, like smashed together. What? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part. morality tale. <laughs> and 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 uh, there's a lot of wordplay too, consistent with uh, Tales from the Crypt. But there's. There's a titular line early on where Angela Bassett's like, karma's a bitch. And then later, I can't remember who it was. I wasn't really paying that much attention. But uh, something happens, and one of them goes, karma's a... And they're like, stop. Uh, I believe that was Aisha Hines. <laughs> okay. Was very, uh, that was my favorite part. Besides the guy um, besides the guy in the beginning who apparently like killed his wife or whatever, like he also killed himself by shooting at a tree and the bullet bounced directly back and hit him in the heart yeah no this is even stupider than that this is the uh the titular well titular it's not the titular it's the titular 911 call no <laughs> it's uh yeah uh it's the dumb moment of the week uh it's not even the bullet that he fires at the tree this is the bullet that his wife who committed suicide because of his domestic abuse had fired into the tree years prior 
and the tree is subsequently dying of a fungal infection, and he decides rather than paying someone to remove the tree that he will strap explosives to it and fire a gun at it. So the bullet that had previously lodged into the tree from his his wife's uh, salvo (laughs) flies out in the explosion and pierces his chest. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. Sometimes you get shot by a tree. And then so, and then and then Braverman gets AIDS or whatever from a blood donation. No, he does not. He gets a uh, special Superman blood. Yeah, the, the, oh, his God. his karma is uh, a not bitch a bitch in a, in a different way because he wants to kill himself <laughs> because of his his fiery killing of his family or whatever in previous episodes. You know what this show needs? Oh, God. Like, the, did anybody did anybody ever watch that girl? A seventy sitcom? No. Oh. It's a. Uh, it's uh, I don't know. It, you know. It's it's one of those groovy uh, domestic you know sitcoms. But it was about this single girl uh, and the titular girl. And every episode started with like some weird you know zany situation, and 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 somebody would be like, "Well, who caused this? You know, who caused this pile up?" And somebody would go, "That girl," and then. She'd like pe like you know poke her head out and go to the credits. I really want them to start instituting that in this show where it's just like something really like increasingly dumb happens and somebody like reaches for the phone and they go nine one one and then it goes to the credits. <laughs> yeah, there, so you will recall that uh, Sports Night uh, has been revealed in previous episodes to have been uh, careless with space heaters. Uh, resulting in the death of his family. <laughs> so in, 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 this episode, in this episode, it is revealed that he plans to uh, save enough lives to atone for the ones he uh, he killed in this accident and at that point kill himself to reunite with his family. Um, I think he may be disappointed at, at that point, but uh, we won't get into that. Um, so the the twist here is that he is duped into donating blood because of guilt for uh chimney uh chimney has decided that he's going to uh, make it a point to get a, like he's a blood drive man now because he he took some transfusions <laughs> to get through that that terrible rebar incident <laughs> and uh <laughs> so yeah sports nights afraid to <laughs> to give blood, he, he's afraid, he's afraid of needles. Eventually, he does, and it is revealed that he has uh, what is referred to repeatedly as golden blood. Uh, only one other man on Earth has this blood that could cure some sort of uh, terminal children's disease. <laughs> and now, Sports Night also has that blood, so he's not allowed to kill himself. So he's upset that he can't kill himself. <laughs> This show, uh, oh god, it's it's good stuff. All right, boys, let's wrap this thing up. Um, so you know what? Thank you all for listening. I'm sure you're all glad that uh, we didn't do another three hours of Oscar coverage, but we can. You know, let's let's just we're gonna bring. Jack we could do on. three hours of. We could do like four hours or two more hours of putovers. Yeah, we'll just yeah, that's what we'll do. Just four hours of putovers. Uh, Sean, what what are you putting over this week? Uh, I recently watched uh, Carol, I believe from 2015, um, Todd Haynes movie, and it's something that I uh, had been meaning to watch and finally sat down and put it on. 
And I was I was really glad that I did. Um, I'm sure most people know what it's about, but um, it's it's a nice it's a nice watch. It's it's just it's not like too prestigious. It's sort of like um, to use sort of a cliche. It's 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 a tone poem of a movie. Um, it's not uh, it's not super heavy on on uh, exposition or, or plot points. It's just sort of like you kind of know the basic framework, and and then it's just sort of watching their reactions and and this relationship develop and uh, glances, and a lot of it is just in in montage and um not not like not the usual term montage but but you know these nice editing sequences and um and camera work and music it's just a really nice movie um yeah that's 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 what i'm putting over carol if you haven't seen it all right jake what are you putting over uh i'm gonna do two putovers because one of them is kind of special um, first of all, I'll, I'm going to put over the uh, the season two showgirls uh, commentary. <laughs> I was waiting uh, for that. No, no, no. God, calm down. Calm your tits. Um, I'm going to do season two of uh, the Andy Daly podcast pilot project. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, Mr. Daly and perhaps many of the characters that he's done on uh, shows such as Comedy Bang Bang, uh, he's devoted whole podcast episodes to doing them with other comedians like Paula Tompkins and Matt Gorley, and he just released the first episode on Stitcher Premium today. So if you have that, I highly recommend seeking it out. And for those that don't, I'm going to recommend season one of ER on Hulu, uh, which is... Uh, a pretty good palate cleanser from the dire situation that is 911. And uh, much to my surprise, I, I binged the whole season last weekend, and there's an episode called uh, Full Moon Saturday Night. Um, but <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing hour outlandish. Saturday Night AF. Yeah, Saturday Night <laughs> AF. So oh, God. that's it. And I watched that right after I watched 911. But, uh, uh, but no, uh, ER. It's a. I think it's a fantastic show and kind of cool. set the set the stage for many. Uh, so that's the one with Sandra O, oh, right? Uh, no, you're thinking of uh, Scrubs. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, it's. I think it's a fantastic uh, drama, and it's actually also. Uh, I've been watching it with Casey, and she's a vet tech, and she's also commented on the the realism of its medical accuracy. Um, but also just a lot That's of... That's what I got to shows for, so I'll check it out. Uh, fantastic um, character development as well. And uh, and, and it's got uh, George Clooney on it. How can, in it. How can you go wrong? There you go. Yeah, e- ER, Hulu. All right, Myros, cool. what are you putting over this week? Uh, I haven't seen much, honestly. I've seen... Uh, I saw Annihilation, Black Panther, and Death Wish. <laughs> Doesn't leave me with a, a great deal of choices. And Eric already put over Black Panther. Um, yeah, I of the three, I say Annihilation personally, but um, I I'm gonna put over uh, the obvious choice, Cinema Sanga. Uh, <laughs> Damn it, guys! That was I, be I mine. think it's I think it's pretty important to join the Jedi Bendus and uh, <laughs> just let a man move on with his life. <laughs> That's fair, I, you know. And and for my put over, I'm also gonna put over Cinema Sanga. You know. I've often said that Devin Faraci is the Mace window of film critics, and uh, I, I just, you know, I, I'm really glad that, that he's found this path. Uh, no, actually, fuck him. Subscribe, uh, I must. <laughs> I'm putting over a movie called Who Killed Captain Alex. I bought it on DVD, and 
it came from <laughs> Uganda, and it came with. Uh, I didn't ask for any of this, but it, it came with a with a personalized envelope. Like the envelope that came to me was just like, like, good luck, Commando Steve. Like that's what it just said on, on the envelope. <laughs> And then there was a signed picture of the director inside of it, and then the DVD. And it is a uh, Ugandan action movie that looks like it was made for $5, and I mean that sincerely. Like, you probably made class projects in high school that cost more money. And it is fucking ridiculous. It's completely just nonsensical. The special effects are... They make birdemic look like a masterpiece in terms of, of special effects. Uh, and also there's just like a hype man, like randomly yelling over the movie. That's just part of the movie. <laughs> it is, uh, it is beyond comprehension. It is peerless. I will say. So watch who killed captain Alex. And in fact, just go watch the trailer. I'm sure that'll, that'll give you a, a little taste of it. But anyways, uh, guys, thanks for being on today. Uh, make sure you follow Optimus vaccine on Twitter at Optimism Vaccine. If you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, uh, Devin Faraci, if you're out there and you want to, you know, say something uh, about how you know we're right and how both sides can, you know, could could be correct in this instance, uh, OptimismVaccine@gmail.com. <laughs> if you want to tweet at me at Steve Cuff, Sean, where can we find you? Uh, at Mr. Glennis. All right, Jake, where do we find you at? Uh, Jake Tropila. T-R-O-P-I-L-A. We can't find Myros anywhere because he's not on Twitter. But you can find him as a guest columnist on cinemasangra.com. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Also, if you like the podcast, go on iTunes, rate us, give us five stars, give us a written review because uh, the better reviews that we get, the more people can discover us, the more people discover us, the more stuff we can do for you, our faithful listeners. So, yeah, guys, thanks for being on tonight, and uh, that's about it. (laughs) 